This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, the comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. Wow, you've already had that welcome. It's the seventh. We've had one week into the new year, but it's our first opportunity on the podcast to welcome you to 2020. So thank you for being here. Great episode today. It is with a good friend of ours and an improviser, Andy Roberts. And I know he's, you know, somewhat billed as a finance guy, but we don't just talk finance. We actually talk a lot about performance and, uh, you know, how we got into comedy and how we got interested in those things. So this is more like a typical episode than an episode build as uh, learn a little bit about finance would lead you to believe. <laughs> so a real great chat that we had with him and also really great advice at the end there. So stick till the end to get that great advice that we all need. And yes, we are in a new year, so that means new challenges for us, and we hope some great things come to us this year, and uh, I'm, I'm a little closer to being able to tell you what I did, what I shot last year. It hasn't been released yet. No, no, I'm not in The Witcher. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I can say before I get too close <laughs> But let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Andy Roberts. I am glad you're here. We've been joking a long time about you not being on the podcast. Yeah. And now you're finally here. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, I always made jokes of like, maybe once you, when you do something, <laughs> then you can be on a podcast. But honestly, uh, I think you have a very interesting journey because you're really bought in on comedy, mm-hmm. but you're a finance guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're not like necessarily what people think of when they think of finance guy like your role is more like <laughs> how to spend money well as opposed yeah. to making somebody insane an insane amount of money that's your job isn't like a no, lot I'm of a wall street jobs and people yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but you know like you have a, a very i think i feel like hollywood has covered your story a lot small town kid mm-hmm. moves to new york city yeah gets off the bus <laughs> yeah goes into the biz. Yes. Uh, that's your story. I mean, you're from Becomes Ohio. a pitcher for a professional mm-hmm. baseball team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you are from Ohio, yeah. and you were doing a lot of goofing around as a kid, because I've seen <laughs> some old video of mm-hmm. you doing a... Just stuff that teenagers do with their friends. They like make a little home movie or something like that. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. There's a lot of videos of me um, <laughs> out there on uh, the internet somewhere. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. I was one of the. It's the underweb. It's the dark web. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on the dark web. Um, you will <laughs> be flagged immediately if you find the hilarious stuff, but illegal. Um, <laughs> No, the, yeah, that was that was one of the ways. I mean, I always liked. I think like a lot of people, you know, it's like there's no greater pleasure than like the joy of making somebody laugh. Yeah. Um, 
And that was like the first time I I kind of like really explored it as a medium, probably. Um, I didn't think about it necessarily that way, but, you know, just like a way to express it to other people. I mean, the reason I bring it up is because I feel like you have two things that you are very serious about comedy and and work uh that really seem to run parallel in your life but uh they're not like they don't really intertwine at all they're not a lot of times someone who's in comedy they're also an actor or Mm -hmm. they might you know they do something in media or entertainment for their job and then they do improv at night but you're doing improv at night, and as I mentioned, you're doing finance stuff during the day. Um, how did comedy become a part of your life? Or was comedy the thing you were passionate about as a kid, and then you went to college and said, like, and here's just the job I'd like to do? Uh, that Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, um, I would say, if anything, comedy, or at least, like, the joy of making people laugh and, like, kind of being an entertainer has been... Um, a part of my life longer than mm-hmm. definitely um, what I do for work. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you would ask me, you know, ten years ago, I, I had no desire to ever have an office job. I uh-huh. never would have thought. Would you want to do finance? Um, I was like, it, it was one of two things. I'm either going to um, <laughs> direct movies or um, teach social studies uh-huh. and coach lacrosse. Oh, I can um, see you coaching lacrosse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on brand, very on brand. Yes, um, <laughs> that is something that people think of when they think of a finance guy. But, uh, <laughs> lacrosse. Yeah, exactly. Coaching uh, it, especially. Yeah. Um, no, but um, I think that was a, those were just kind of like avenues that I. I want. I want to say I'm from a super small town, but a suburban um, town of Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's just like when you're young, you kind of like look around you um, for inspiration of you know what the what you want to do in the future. And for mm-hmm. me, it was like what I was entwined in was school mm-hmm. and social studies was my favorite subject. And I play lacrosse. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I get it. I could probably <laughs> maybe do this. Um, or like, I loved I loved movies mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, making people laugh. And I, I, like you said, I started to get really involved in uh, making films, uh, mm-hmm. short films and videos when I was in high school. And I, I ran basically the equivalent of uh, our AV club uh-huh. for a couple years and uh, ran like uh, help run a film festival. Uh, wow, so you just well. had a lot of irons and a lot of fires, even as a teenager. Mm. You're just doing a lot of different activities yeah i tried to i think mm-hmm. um you know i was lucky especially with the like the film and and tv experience was um i probably had more access especially when i was in school i'm, I'm sure kids now it's a little bit easier um but there was you know we had teachers who had backgrounds in those specific areas who encouraged it including a teacher who had come back who had started our high school film festival which is fairly well known it was like the largest high school film festival in the area i mean i've never even heard of a high school film festival yeah i mean the fact that you all have one is something yeah it was really interesting because it was just a public school it's not like i went to a school for the performing arts Mm -hmm. or anything like that and it was a film festival where um it encouraged all sorts of students so we probably had over a hundred students submit works. And, That's insane. Uh, so and it was all student made. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, all student. All, all you had to be a student at the school. So. Oh, okay. Some people it was there, you know, their first time, and they were given an opportunity mm-hmm. to do something. And how uh, many submissions would you have a year? Uh, probably I, I I don't know the exact number, but 
I would assume, I, I think like a hundred. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, some of them, I think we did, I don't recall the, all the details. I think every anybody could submit up to three pieces. Okay. So, so that it might be like 33 people. <laughs> yeah, everybody submitting three. And I'm the freak who's like <laughs> submitting under my friend's names. Like, oh, this looks... In- <laughs> so everyone got something in probably. Um, There's for- probably no one who got nothing in. For the most part, yeah, I think <laughs> okay. I think like uh, how hated most of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's a balance I think to find between like giving everybody a chance to be showcased and uh, mm-hmm. you know also trying to have like really good quality. But I think yeah, as long as you weren't like really offensive or like uh you know was it just like slapped together nonsense mm-hmm. which most of mine was um then i think you you kind of got in okay yeah that's interesting i i didn't know that it went that deep for you i just saw the videos online and it's like oh that's silly but it was a, that was a lot more than what most kids were doing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, but it was like uh, I did you know, like two all of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did yeah. Three a year, or whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was my my first and second period for basically definitely my junior and senior year was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Uh, first period was basically it's called media arts, but it was basically mm-hmm. like a filmmaking class, and then the second. Uh, the second class, I, I can't even remember what they called it, but it was basically the student news. So you would produce the news, and then uh, at the end of the second period, start a third period. Um, you oh, would put it on. That's when third period starts. Yeah, yeah. After second. <laughs> well, listen, period. I don't know who listens to this podcast. I'm assuming they're so stupid. Oh my gosh, you're um, definitely a favorite guest now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, I've, I've desperately been trying to get on this podcast, and uh, <laughs> here I am alienating all the fans. Like this guy, he's worse in finance. He played lacrosse. He said we're stupid. This guy sucks. Um. um well, some of this might also like some of my surprise might just be generational too. Because when I was in high school, it was the '90s, and when you were in yeah. high school, it was the aughts. Yeah. So yeah, you would have had a little more, I guess. Like YouTube was an actual thing mm-hmm. in 2007, whereas in 1997, that was not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I was when I was a junior senior in high school, that was that was when. YouTube had been around a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. I think that's when it was really starting to kind of blow up as a medium. Mm-hmm. That's when I remember, like, that's when Lazy Sunday came out. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And that was, which was like one of the first. That was 2005 um, when Lazy Sunday came oh, out. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You, well, you're too knowledgeable. So, um, <laughs> like, here I, I don't am. Know like, why I it sticks in my head. I remember that it's, being, yeah. It's December so I, of this, 2005. I, I would have started high school in 2006. Okay. So I'm not um, quite, I'm, I'm close to being But it was a weird, like YouTube at that time period, because I remember like people didn't really know what to do with it. And I've heard yeah. Donald Glover talk about how they would put sketch on YouTube and people would be like, what? Why? Like, yeah. Why would you put that on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's so interesting. Like I, we we just put it, we put it, we put things on there just because we we didn't want to. We're like, hey, if we want to watch this in the future or share it with somebody, yeah. You know, exactly. What am I gonna, you know, is either that or like mail people CDs that we burned <laughs> of it, which is like how we produce most of our stuff, right? Um, so we just had it as a place we could we could share, and the student body can go mm-hmm. watch. And stuff. then when you 
got into the workforce, you had to delete all of those things. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish I could. Uh, I didn't run the YouTube channel. I have no idea um, what the passwords are. I, it is on there. No, that is funny about how like all the things we did in the two thousands, just trying to figure things out, is yeah. like coming back to bite us hard in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, oh, totally. Where people were like, oh, why did you make this joke? It's like, yeah, because it was a joke. <laughs> you know, it was funny when I was fifteen. Uh, it made my friends laugh, and so I did it really loudly. Um, yeah, and it's so bizarre. And looking back, it's like, oh, did I miss an opportunity? Because there are some of the videos, believe it or not, they made. When I was in high school, and this was obviously when YouTube was utilized, but mm-hmm. to a much lesser extent, that have like hundreds of thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of views. Mm-hmm. And it was just like nonsense where you're like, oh, this is like 10 people are going to see this. <laughs> but I think there was also like, it was people not just at the school, like people around the world watch uh-huh. these stupid videos, probably because at the time there was you know not that much content so right. if you like searched whatever our yeah, video might everything pop was up. coming up at that yeah. point because there wasn't a ton of stuff there were no internet shows yeah on at that time it was just like people's little videos yeah uh, so i could have been um like pew pew die or something <laughs> i think that's but like less but nicer <laughs> nice isn't the word but a better person hopefully um outside of that what was your comedy life uh, well, I, so I was it at all a part of? Was it just like something you liked? You just watched SNL or something like that, or were you? Did you have a desire to go into comedy at all? Um, I, I so I, I did not watch. I watched some SNL. My mm-hmm. my, you were more of a Mad TV guy. Yeah, I, I you, you joke, <laughs> but I watched like a Mad good TV. amount of Mad TV <laughs> when I was in like elementary school. Um, yeah, I think I think you know, like a lot of people, just kind of started as you wanted to be. You know, it's like great to be the f- funny member of your friends. Right. Mm-hmm. I also had some really funny friends. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm think I'm, I'm the only one within my uh, friend group growing up that has like coals in the you know that are still actually pursuing some sort of comedy path. But mm-hmm. I had some friends like my buddy Zach. You know, he was. Always our funniest Zach friend. Zach Graff? No, uh, yeah, it was a, yeah, Zach Graff. Um, I wrote Scrubs. Um, he 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 was like, oh, he was like our really funny friend. And he actually watched SNL. And so mm-hmm. I would always try to like, we would always, uh, we would say we were A to Z, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that a, was, I think there's a video. Yeah, there's a video it. about our friendship, <laughs> which I made the whole school watch. They gave me so much power. It's so insane looking back oh on how gosh. much power this school gave me because every the 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 every classroom in our school had a TV and it was hardwired at the start of third period to turn on to the news for like five minutes and you couldn't shut it off and um that's so funny we had a teacher but they like trusted my judgment and I'm you know was seventeen and um like besides them technically overseeing the class like I had such little supervision and basically had my own like station that i was running and it mm-hmm. was um i mean it's insane thinking back on it i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. The, the class is gonna watch a five minute video about me and my friend today and it's just like ridiculous i did do that in college though when i like i was a part of the yeah. school news team yeah and the tv part specifically and uh me and two buddies of mine did a 
a ghost story that was mm-hmm. like, oh, they say Tillman Hall is haunted. Let's investigate it. And it was not an investigation at yeah. all. We just made stuff up. And, uh, you know, of course, it's a news piece. So it's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a couple minutes. But it was well over five minutes. Yeah. And it was just us goofing around. <laughs> and we we put it on. And <laughs> like, this the teachers was... weren't happy about it. But they didn't change. <laughs> they didn't make us change it. You your, your student news was over the radio, right? <laughs> yeah, it's because it was the 1940s. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, on television. We had a, a radio shifts that we did, mm-hmm. but we also had the TV news wow. show. But it wasn't hardwired in everyone's room. So, you know, no one was watching it. Oh, it's so insane. It was just teaching us how to do it. and it yeah. was, So I was basically making the class yeah. watch it. <laughs> and the few people who watch. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's how, looking back, that's... You know, that's why, you know, I liked comedy. I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. say, hey, uh, I want to be a professional comedian mm-hmm. or um, anything like that. But I did. I knew I wanted to at some point. I was like, oh, I want to be involved maybe in films, mm-hmm. um, if anything else. Not necessarily. Yeah, I was like known. I think I like to joke around with my friends. Loved people make laugh, mm-hmm. make people laugh. I was a class clown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, uh, which is the greatest human of my life. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Who got best looking? Uh, best looking, also me. Thank you. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. well. Those are the. I wanted to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can't. Yeah, I got uh, best looking class clown. I got um, strongest, strongest. You got strongest. I'm not. uh, No, I was not strong. I was so tiny in high school, (laughs) and I was definitely not best dressed. I was absolutely. I've never been best dressed. I'm a slob. (laughs) Well, um, I'm going to cut out the part we said best looking. Uh, (laughs) Okay, (laughs) we cut it out. No, no, I won't. Uh, <laughs> we'll let we'll let the very smart listeners decide for themselves. <laughs> you guys are so great. <laughs> I love you so much. You're so. When did things shift for you into finance? I assume college, but was it after? Was it because you went to grad school, right? Uh, I did not go to grad school. Oh, okay. Um, there was. I, what was the accomplishment you've had? With education. Um, oh yeah, sure. I I have a full, I was a Fulbright um, right. recipient. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, did you get smartest? In, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get one? smartest. I got second all right. best all around. Which. Oh, so um, you you know again? It it really seems like I'm hyping up my high school accomplishments. <laughs> this is so which, funny. What other school was someone best. getting, uh, uh, like second best? They did top three, which was uh, interesting. They, you know, for, for like intelligence, like not, that, <laughs> no, not not for intelligence. Well, I, I just mean like that superlative, like smartest. It was yeah, it was smart. You got second in that. No, that oh, there was okay. a best all around. I, I see. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah, they, okay. they nobody ever says who's the smartest, but that's Everyone that's knows. what they call most likely to succeed. Is uh, like, this is a smart did you get that? Um, I did not. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought you were saying you were you got that one, and then also class clown and best looking is like what person? I didn't. Get, there's not a really best looking. Two of there's, those not a, there's not a best looking. Oh, okay. I did get. Uh, so you were lying when you said best. Yeah, looking. I'm a I, well. Of course, I'm a liar. I work in finance. I have to lie. <laughs> I lie for money. Uh, the, um, Am I gonna have to cut that out? For no, not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> views are my own. Um, the uh, I did get. I got class clown and I got most spirited. Okay. Um, those two make sense together. Yeah. 
and best second best looking. all around. Best looking isn't wasn't one when I was in school. Is best dressed? No, no, wait. They did have a best looking. We, I don't know. I never got any. I remember we had best all around, best eyes, mm-hmm. biggest flirt, which was like uh, you got that of, one. Uh, I did not. <laughs> biggest flirt was actually treated as kind of a mean award. Mm. Um, um, and uh, cutest couple, of course, uh, did not get that. Mm-hmm. I was uh, sad and alone. Um, and did you get saddest and most I guess, alone? I got saddest, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, enough of superlatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is just, not important. I brought up Fulbright to bring you back in the time. Fulbright's nothing, a class clown. <laughs> um, so in college sometime is when you started gearing your sights towards uh, finance no uh in in college so i had i had kind of um a roundabout path to get here so when i graduated i was mm-hmm. enrolled at savannah college of art and design mm-hmm. um and i was going to major in film studies okay so i sense. was like very much going to or film production i can't remember what the major is called but regardless I was going to go to Savannah College of Art and Design, learn to make movies, and Mm -hmm. I was going to pursue that full bore. And they had this event called the Summer Swarm, which was kind of, it was like a pre-orientation where before you went to, um, started school in August or September or whatever it was, you go in the summer and like spend um, a week there doing an orientation, meet people, etc. And I went there and you know, like I had a fine experience. There were some negative things, but I won't, uh, I won't, uh, you know, overemphasize those. But I, I think I kind of like uh, panicked a little bit, and I was like, I don't know um, if I can do this, um, and then like freaked out. And my family was going on a vacation immediately after because mm-hmm. we were down in Savannah, so we were going to Hilton Head, and I, I told my parents, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can go here, like. I don't know if it's right and kind of like had a little bit of freak out mm-hmm. um so then i ended up calling one of the other schools that was uh kind of second on my choice in ohio mm-hmm. the university of dayton um and i went they you know they they said they'd still accept me and honor my scholarship oh, wow. um and this was like <clears throat> in Your july class clown scholarship yeah and this was my <laughs> class clown scholarship of course which is big money um <laughs> And so I ended up going to Dayton and um, I ended up deciding again. So I was like, okay, I'm going to teach social studies now. (laughs) Uh, So I majored in education and and history and political science. Wow. Yeah. Well, what made you freak out other than just like you didn't think you could do it? Like, were you just like not? Uh, It was, I don't know. Um, You know, I, I don't know if it was one thing. I think it was just mm-hmm. like at the, that time in my life. because I had, didn't feel right then. Yeah, it was it's a big change and you're 17 and you mm-hmm. kind of grow up in uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit of a vacuum and you kind of... Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm grown. I was grown. I was so grown. I, I had puberty <laughs> so early. I had so okay. early. Just, do I talk like this? Um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I just had like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was just going to be a big change. And I, th- I think a lot of people face that, um, like, that freak out mm-hmm. or that panic as they transition a lot of times in college. It happens. I guess they but, call it a quarter-life crisis. Yeah, yeah. and, 
I, I think, you know, it just so happened where, you know, a lot of times it happens maybe once you're enrolled and like have started at your school because that's when most people start. Mm-hmm. And then people will go the semester and decide, hey, do I want to stay or not? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people end up staying. Yeah. And most likely if I would have gone during the regular time, I probably would have been like had a little freak out mm-hmm. and then like been fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, you know, kind of pulled the parachute, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so... If, because of how I did that summer swarm event thing. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up deciding, like, I went back to what I knew, which mm-hmm. is my, uh, you know, my comfort zone. I went back to a school in Ohio and uh, I took, like, a quote-unquote safer path um, and was like, yeah, I'll just go teach social studies and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, coach lacrosse. <laughs> well, how did finance come come up then? So, uh, fi- finance was mostly an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, I I took a lot of econ courses as mm-hmm. a part of my my course load, and um, those are actually my favorite classes. Yeah, we're very different. Um, I, it's really <laughs> I never got the hang of econ. Oh yeah, in high school or college, and and some of it is just like. The teacher you have makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. Uh, if your teacher can explain it to you. I, I didn't have to be excited about it. And it was just like, I kind of get it, but like, why? <laughs> it was like kind of my entire time there. In high school, yeah. it was worse than that. In high school, it was, I'm not following this at yeah. all. And no one in class was following it. But in college, it was like, oh, gosh, what? This is just, what? I'm not, nothing is latching on. I th- I think I think I liked it because it was like it felt like people you know like trying to explain a lot of like how the world works in mm-hmm. a, a lot of different ways and it was really kind of interesting like you know if you think about um, economics yeah there's like a lot of the mathematical approach but there's mm-hmm. a lot of psychology built in um, yeah. See if I had heard it that way, I probably would have been more interested. Uh, human behavior and. <laughs> You know, you know, just how governments behave, and there was a mm-hmm. lot of interesting things about. Oh, there's a huge component of why does the world operate the way it does? Um, I mean, there are a lot of different courses or uh, specialties you can focus on that kind of address that in the same way. It's not like economics no, definitely does it. not yeah. encompass that. But I was like, oh, this is really interesting um, view, and it was just kind of interesting studies. So. Um, yeah, it kind of captured a little bit of my attention. Yeah. And um, it, you were like, you're just bit by, as they call it, the money bug. Yeah. I was like, mm, daddy, I want to make some money. Ooh, <laughs> no, make no. me some money. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> which is, you, I'm getting paid for this podcast. Right? Um, <laughs> Um, so the, but I, you know, I, it still wasn't enough where I was like, oh, I'm going to pursue this as a mm-hmm. career. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I ended up with a history and political science degree mm-hmm. and I'm like, and then I got a Fulbright grant mm-hmm. and, and moved to Thailand for like a year and a half mm-hmm. or so. Um, and I was put in a very, for those unaware of what a Fulbright grant is, it's, um, uh, a grant from the U.S. Department of State, and it's a mm-hmm. cross-cultural exchange grant. So um, there's a lot of ways it can work. You can mm-hmm. choose from it's something like 120 different countries. Mm-hmm. Some people choose to do a, a research project. Some people 
choose to teach English, mm-hmm. um, but any but you can essentially pick a country to apply for, um, and what your project is, what your focus is. Um, but I was I chose Thailand out of a recommendation um, from a friend, and I ended up placed in a very very remote um, area of Thailand mm-hmm. where. I worked a lot of times at a school, and once I it was, the area I was in is Kanken, which is like very agrarian uh, community, and I lived at this school. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people they they lived with most of the students lived with their grandparents because their their parents went to larger cities to find work and send money back. Um, so they would go and help their families work on their farms typically. Wow. So they would like leave very quickly after school and then the teachers had their own lives too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it, when you found improv. No. And that's when I started doing improv. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, that is actually, that is when I found, it was interesting because Thailand is when I kind of thought more about pursuing finance and when it's when I found out about improv actually. Oh, wow. Um, because I was very much like after four o'clock on for most nights, like I was alone. Right. So you're just, like, um, there was nobody the internet, around for like Netflix miles, and, mm-hmm. um, and the internet was very poor. So I read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it is basically what I did, and uh, I I read econ books and started that bled into finance books, mm-hmm. and then I also read. Um, I can't remember which one I read first because I know I read like Yes Please and Bossy Pants back to back Mm -hmm. um but that's when i actually first read about improv oh wow and basically by this time i was like kind of trying to rediscover myself i was using Mm -hmm. this experience to rediscover myself and like (laughs) so now now your origin story is just starting to sound like batman or something (laughs) like going off to some Uh, foreign in this man uh, to find himself (laughs) <laughs> and he had, a, he had an opportunity, um, <laughs> and I did short form improv with Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> um, this isn't the sweet edit you need. <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, I was like, like spending a lot of time thinking about like once this experience is over, what's what am I going to do? Because mm-hmm. there was time, there was both time to do that, and it was kind of exciting where I had made this huge change to move to the opposite side of the world where now by this time like five years prior the thought of going to SCAD freaked me out but like not yeah. anymore I had changed and now I was like oh I can do person. anything mm-hmm. uh, I felt like at that point like when I move back I don't have to nobody says I have to like go to Columbus Ohio and teach I could move to LA mm-hmm. and or whatever mm-hmm. and um I, I had read about, uh, been reading finance, and I had, uh, I thought I was going to work for the World Bank at that time, but it was starting to get inch closer and closer. And then I read about improv for the first time. And by this point, I had basically like deprived myself, I think, of like the arts and performing for like four years because uh, I didn't do anything really in college. And I was like, it just like connected with me. Like hit me so hard. Like I admit how much I had been missing it. So mm-hmm. I was like, as soon as I get back, I'm gonna find one of these improv classes <laughs> wherever they are, and I'm gonna take one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And how soon after that did you move to New York? Um, that was still probably 
Uh, that was that. Yeah, that was still probably like two and a half, three years almost in the making at okay. that point. Because when I when I moved back, I moved back. I first moved back to Columbus to regroup, and then mm-hmm. then I took a job and some crime. I fought some crime. I destroyed <laughs> just... crime in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, then I I worked for a nonprofit briefly based out mm-hmm. of DC, mm-hmm. where I was mm-hmm. traveling uh, the the country more than anything else um and then i moved to cincinnati ohio and started in finance for the company i work for and then uh a year and a half later moved to new york okay and was new york when you first started doing improv no i started in cincinnati okay um there's two actually like pretty great improv theater primary there's otr improv and improv cincinnati Mm -hmm. um in that area so i started taking when i first moved to cincinnati i took an intro class Mm -hmm. and they're like uh yeah we'll have a new class soon and i loved it it was Mm -hmm. everything i wanted it to be Mm -hmm. and hoped it would be and then um they're like yeah we'll have a new class soon but they didn't have a very structured approach Mm -hmm. and like Four months went by and they're like, no sign of offering another class. Like it just, you couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. And then so I literally signed up for an intensive at Second City and like spent a week in Chicago. Dang. Just so I could continue to kind of learn improv. That summer intensive that they do? Yeah. not I thinking of IO? Uh, no, they, they do a summer intensive that's mm-hmm. like a month long where you kind of uh-huh. where you do like eight hours a day and it's like adult summer camp this mm-hmm. was i, I want to say this was like a week long so it's just whatever their mm-hmm. intro to improv um courses condensed to a week i see yeah um, like that's very common that one yeah. is more common that's yeah. what a lot of theaters yeah do. um yeah i just know about people going up to chicago to do that month long <laughs> yeah it's like that's insane um so you move here, and what's one of the things that is interesting is when you moved here, you were making all these moves with finance work because you're working at a good company and, yeah. and you're doing stuff there, but you're also uh, taking improv classes at UCB and Magnet concurrently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, which, <laughs> when I heard you say that, I was like, what? How does someone have the time to do the work you're doing, but then also take two? How does someone have the time to take two improv classes a week? You know, like that's that's a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. It was like uh, I I never I never. A lot of people I think want to live in New York. A lot of people you meet here are like, oh, I've always wanted to live in New York. Mm-hmm. Like I always knew I thought I'd be here somewhere. You know, someday. I was never that person. Like I never uh, thought of New York as a place I would end up or really wanted to be. Yeah, because you had um, Cincinnati. Yeah, I'm a Cincinnati. I'm a Cincinnati <laughs> yeah, boy. I'm so sweet. I'm a Midwest boy. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, if it was just like I was like probably an interesting place to visit, but it's just like a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I was like, oh, if I'm going to pursue this, like Chicago or L.A. would have been oh, probably more immediate choices. But uh, and why do you say that? Um, well, I mean, I mean, Chicago's Chicago. If, I want to do comedy. It's still like a, it's like a, such a nice little, it's it, it, not little. It's a, <laughs> it's like it's, the it's, it is a very similar to New York, but it I mean, has like a, a Midwest vibe Chicago just because of IO alone. And the, yeah, it's like, those are three improv mm-hmm. meccas. And, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I didn't really want to live in Chicago is the thing. 
Oh yeah, I I really like. But you Chicago. being from Ohio, I would imagine that Chicago is probably more interesting uh, than New York would be. Maybe not more interesting, but more similar. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, just yeah, like yeah. more. I didn't want to say more your speed. I just mean yeah, more totally. relatable. I mean, yeah, you have like a ton of friends who people, you know, I think, you know, a lot of people, once they graduate, a lot of times they'll migrate to a near large city and Mm -hmm. in Ohio that is usually Mm -hmm. Chicago. A lot of people do that. And, you know, it's, it was a, it's a big city with a lot of opportunity. That's, uh, my former teammate, Hillary Dale is from Ohio. Yeah, and good, uh, good just seat. moved to Chicago. Yeah, from here she was here, but she just moved to Chicago, and her sister lives yeah. in Chicago. So like, I feel like there's some sort of vibe. I feel like people would be on the same wavelength with from Ohio to Chicago. Totally, yeah, but more so than Ohio to New York. Yeah, but you actually meet a lot but of Ohio. This is a here. melting pot. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, everyone oh from God. everywhere. Is here. Oh my God. <laughs> and I am adding so much diversity to that pot, baby. <laughs> uh, they, uh, yeah. So, but but one thing I knew was like, okay, I'm moving to New York, um, and I had visited a bunch of times, and it had grown on me by the time I had made the decision mm-hmm. to move here. And I had started to get pretty involved in the local Cincinnati improv scene. I'm like, okay, big change. But like one thing I'm definitely not going to stop like immediately is um, improv. Because it's it's like really precious to me and it was important Mm -hmm. to me. Which is um, (laughs) a funny thing to say. Um, (laughs) Improv is beautiful. (laughs) and then, uh, so I was, I moved on and I was like, no matter what, I'm going to take an improv class. Um, and I, my first day at my job in New York was also my first, uh, improv class, which is an oh, insane wow. thing to do. That yourself. is, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> in retrospect, like, <laughs> it's like, it's a lot in one it's day. It's like moving to a new town and then that same day you go to the, you just I'm go like, to I'm going to start a job. <laughs> okay. Well, well I was then, thinking like a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they move in on a, in a town early Monday morning and then the kid also goes to school yeah they're dropped off by a u-haul truck at the <laughs> front of their school so, or, well, t- so many things happening yeah at the same um, time but then I, I ended up yeah kind of going through uh because i was like oh, i don't know which one's the the best theater like oh, okay. i'm gonna uh i've heard good things about both so I'm that's why you went to both okay that's yeah, and that's why I'm the perfect improviser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in a in a improv show at UCB, and Will Hines leaned forward and said, "Hey, um, I noticed you're at a lot of these shows." No, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard you're really. Oh my god. <laughs> no, um, so you've been doing both, or you were doing. Are you still in classes there at all? You were taking a bunch of classes <laughs> at UCB. Uh, yeah, so I, I sporadically take classes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. How many levels did you go through no breaks concurrently between? Because it was at least four, right? F- yeah, four. Four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? I mean, honestly, kind of more than that. Because uh, ma- the Magnet UCB have a similar four class structure as right. your baseline curriculum. Right, and then they do conservatory at Magnet for... The, mm-hmm. for two levels yep and how does it work at ucb so it's it's changed now they have the academy so once right. you finish level four you you have two options 
you can take what they call advanced study classes, okay, which used to be instructor approval, which is how the magnet does the conservatory. conservatory. Um, but then they switched to they switched it to anybody who finishes level four can take an advanced study class, mm-hmm. and then you can choose to audition mm. to be in the um, academy um, if you want to give them a bunch more money. Um, <laughs> and I did that, and, and then you uh, got in. And I got in. I was in the How many classes first that? academy class. Oh. Um, well, the, the academy, it's not a, um, a set structure once you get mm-hmm. there. All they do is basically they offer essentially the equivalent of electives. Okay. Um, and then you can, they're very instructor-driven classes, and you can just take whatever uh, sounds did, interesting. How do they lead people to auditioning for being in the company how does that even work there uh for like to be on the house team yeah um so now you have to have be in the academy to audition okay um so you've got to audition for the chance to audition right yeah, yeah. um so that's that's a big um a big carrot yeah yeah i mean a lot of it's it's there are people who hate that, and there are people who are fine with that. Um, I'm not here to debate that. Yeah. Every school is going to work differently, and I can dislike it, and doesn't necessarily mean that they're wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't necessarily dislike it. I, I just think it's a different way to do things. It's, and like, it's kind of interesting. It is. Um, I, who knows how it will play out in the future. They'll probably change it again, because these schools have to evolve, um, especially as they're base of students changes yes there's there's so many at, oh there's at so many Ten, yeah it's like insane over ten thousand students yes uh i i read somewhere that they had over ten thousand unique students take a class in a single year yeah uh, that's what's in yes please she yes said there were thirteen thousand. yes yeah 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 yeah. and i was like are you kidding me? that book came out in what 2012 uh, maybe 2013. 2013. Yeah, so that's yeah. exactly. So it's probably grown. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why, you know, I, I I try not to, like, judge the decisions there. Because I say, oh, what decisions would I make if I was in charge? And, mm-hmm. you know, they already have, even with, because that's what those auditions are, right? Mm-hmm. It's them building in barriers, essentially. Yeah. Um, they, they've had, they had... A normal Lloyd audition in New York has like four or five hundred people sign up. Yeah, um, and that's with hey, you've got to make it to the academy first mm-hmm. um, to audition. So you know, it's I don't know. You know, I I I, I, I it gets a lot of flack, but it really doesn't work all that differently than a lot of other yeah uh, institutions work. You know, no one complains about it in ballet or acting or whatever. But I guess some oh, of it... they complain. <laughs> well, Especially that, ballet. Well, yeah, but people in ballet complain. Whereas I feel like people <laughs> who aren't in improv will complain about yes. the way UCB does things. And it's like, well, who are you to judge? Yeah, <laughs> you're not yeah. even doing improv. But yeah, it's... you freak. <laughs> you don't do improv, you're a freak. Do you even prov, bro? <laughs> but for real, I kind of feel like their approach is unique to them. And I think that's that's fine. I don't necessarily see a reason to um, say it's wrong to try to curate or cultivate. I think there are two issues. One is we keep asking people, including improv theaters, to be more diverse. Yeah. So that requires them to be 
uh, intentional and curate who's on their stage. Totally. Um, so we can't get mad when they start trying to do that. And then I think the other thing is that's a, a negative to this is improv is so much about like everyone come and do this. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone. And then there's this like block that happens at some point. So I get the complaints to that extent. Totally. But, and I, th- I think know. there's a lot to that. And I think there's a lot of like improv in general. It's like, oh, this is our community. And it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a community. Like you think of any theater, like the UCB, Magnet, whatever. Yeah. It's like, Why oh, you're part of the system. Magnet community. Right. And you're kind of like, you are a part of what makes those institutions special. But it's still like as much as and they want I think a lot of times for that base to kind of take ownership of the community Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like sometimes you gotta be honest with yourselves and be like oh this isn't really ours like yeah they would absolutely fail with us but this like mm-hmm. belongs to five people living in LA or uh, right, right. you know a couple of people in New York at the end of the day um, and those people are um, human and they yeah make people are gonna make mistakes and you know I don't wanna go down on a path of like we need to be more forgiving um, not me crush the crush crush I want to crush people I've never made a mistake you're on a house team yes Um, you went through the experience because we took classes together Mm -hmm. we met in level three at Magnet and then took four and five together and six we took at the same time but you were in a different day than my class met correct Um, so we went through that audition together Mm -hmm. and you I know you auditioned this for this this season we're now. Yeah. Did you audition um, for the season before that? Uh huh. Yeah. I uh, I I've auditioned. I auditioned three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and got in. Three's a charm. Yeah. I got in um, all three times, but decided. <laughs> okay. I rejected them uh-huh, the first uh-huh. two times. I said, "No, I'm so busy." Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I yeah I did not get on. The first two times I auditioned, um, um, but then the third time was a charm, so... Well, one of the things I wanted to bring up with that is, because you didn't just, like, stop doing improv, you're still doing some stuff, because we're on an indie team together. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in Boyf. Yep. And uh, I guess, you know, we have a bunch of Boyf people who've been on. Um, I am curious as to... what your thoughts would be on that time period where like you're studying i mean you're doing improv all the time you're taking mm. classes no one can really stop you you know you're taking yeah. class if you want to nobody can class, stop you me can stu- i'm an unstoppable that. force exactly i am like a hurricane and i was thinking oh i've been doing comedy for so long i've been doing improv since yeah. 2013 and so for me doing improv has been a weekly thing yeah um and if you know if my team were to get cut, I I'm not in a class. Like how it would just it would seem like a blow. Yes. Like here's something I've been doing for six and a half seven years, and now I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um. Every week. Um. How does that situation go? You know, like do you just take a class, or you just say like maybe I need to step back? Like how did it go for you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it, it was tough. It, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's exhilarating to be in classes. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I was, for, for one, I was really fortunate because 
from the day I had started doing improv good dating back to Cincinnati, like I had a lot of early successes mm-hmm. um, in that I was basically on the equivalent of uh, a house team where I got to perform once a week pretty quickly mm-hmm. um, after starting improv because it partially be a huge part because the community there was fairly small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when I was doing it in New York and as I went through the different levels and they build these kind of like gates or whatever where it's like hey you do have to kind of narrow the Mm -hmm. herd a little bit like getting accepted in the conservatory getting accepted into team performance workshop getting into the academy um for there's a lot of people who start to hit roadblocks there Mm -hmm. um and i was fortunate enough where i was like yes 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 and i kind of got through so um the you know auditioning for house team the first time and not getting in was like the first um big kind of rejection i had within the improv world or probably uh, at all yeah and or at all I mean, uh yeah best looking uh, well that's um <laughs> uh, being best looking opens a lot of doors um and um so you know it's tough um because you you know it's 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 a community where it's you know i think peter talks about this where it's always kind of like yes like supporting you and um and community 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 and then it gets to a point where they're like oh sorry like yeah not good enough yeah and that's not really what they're saying but that's that's what it feels it's what it feels like yeah yeah and it's definitely and it's easy for me to say because i i'm on a team but when i went through the audition process i was like I see what they're doing and it is not a matter of this person isn't good enough because they wouldn't have had someone in, in, in at all. Yeah. Get that far. Well, And to be clear, I had a bad, I did not have a great audition the first time I went, which Um, is also a good experience to a certain degree, even though it, you know, it, it hurts the outcome. It's still a good experience. Totally. Um, to have gone through just because it's a learning experience. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because like, uh, you know, I was I was obviously like really bummed and kind of upset, and you know it's it's weird because like improv is like kind of a silly thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a, That's improv. The other is thing I think so people dog is like you guys are just being stupid on stage, and you didn't even like craft a joke. Yeah, you're just going on stage and being dumb. Improv so and dumb. you're taking it so seriously, and yes. then people are like, it's I th- I feel like stand ups are like both sides of this is ridiculous. You're upset that you didn't get cast on something, and it's improv. And on the other side, you're auditioning. Yeah, for pe- I know. But you know, we all have our silly things. That yeah, we do. exactly. I mean, well, every, I, I feel like at anything that someone does can be silly, can be yeah. looked at as silly. Any hobby that is. Well, I think there's a psychology of where when you sink a lot of time and your effort mm-hmm. into something like, it naturally becomes more important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's like training for a race mm-hmm. or improv or whatever mm-hmm. it is like it, yeah. it gains more value the more time energy you put into it and whether so, that's healthy or not yeah it's i just think it's a very natural thing to do mm-hmm. um and it would be weird if like you devoted like all this time and energy and effort and it didn't matter at all right um but it was you know it was something where 
it, it naturally goes from like, oh, it's something you just do purely for fun to mm-hmm. like, oh, I was taking inventory. I'm like, when did this start to like matter to me so much? <laughs> uh, and you kind of just have to remind yourself of why you do it. And it's not. Like, yeah. And it's not bad. I'm not saying yeah. you shouldn't take it. that so I no one can accuse me of not taking it. Yeah. seriously. I definitely take it seriously. But like when I when I uh, first read about improv, I was like, oh, this is going to be a fun, silly thing for me mm-hmm. to do that I'm going to enjoy. And I wasn't like I was like oh i want to be on a house team um like that's not at all why i did it um so uh, yeah that's you know that's what i thought and so i took a, a small break like a month mm-hmm. and then started doing classes again oh that's cool <laughs> yeah no i there's certain things that unreal. do honestly seem um like in, like i said like anything like people's gardening and and look making it their garden look great that's obviously a good thing yeah. but then when they start like putting their selves out there to get win awards and they get upset about it I'm like well who cares yeah but you know i get why you can you put a lot of time in, in, into it and thought into it and mm-hmm. it's yours and you wanted to cultivate it and that's a good thing um there is a healthy way to go about these things in an unhealthy way and i definitely see in any of these things and i've definitely seen it firsthand um in the improv world people being unhealthy about yeah uh, how they engage with this hobby um or you know this activity it doesn't have to be a hobby and uh, i mean honestly the worst thing was that i not that i didn't get on but it was that you got on <laughs> and i was like okay i'm there sorry was, there this was, makes no sense it's not the right word because the, the the this is a much more serious word, but a survivor's remorse is sort of what people go through. Because we're all on an improv team together. You know, we're all in Boyf together. And Robin and I were the two who got through yeah. out of the, what? Six, six probably, of us. audition. Yeah. So it was sort of like, um, why did I get on and everyone else is better than me or whatever? Everyone's funnier than me or like... No. And I, I was like, you know, it's be- it would be better if... It was reverse. If if like four people got on and two didn't, yeah. And if like four don't get on and two do, because then it's like, why did I? Why did I though? Yeah, because <laughs> um, you're great. You're great. Well, I appreciate that. I wasn't fishing for that, but it. I'm yeah, I mean, very you much. Were, you were fishing. <laughs> Audience, you guys are on my team now. Listen, um, um, will you hear this guy? <laughs> just because I was pointing at you and doing the hand motion of like, huh? Come on, come on, bring, <laughs> give me something. It. Um, doesn't mean I was fishing for it. No, but um, I uh, I I. I think it's great that you're on a team. You're I always thought you were super funny. And you're on uh, the audience should know this, you're on a team with Justina. Yes, girlfriend of the pod, Justina. Mm-hmm. Um, butter butter butter. Butter butter butter. Um which, <laughs> That's the team name. Yeah, and it's Which uh, at first I was like That's perfect. Well, I didn't. I I kinda laughed. Okay, I I'm laughed. Sorry. Disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed, but I was also like it's a funny name. Do you want to go with a funny name? Like after a while, and like would people hate saying that? It's but, so stupid. <laughs> but butter, butter, butter actually rolls off the tongue. Oh, butter, butter, butter. Fine. Yeah. You're right. So it's actually fine. It's smooth. It like is. Butter. It is a such. It is the dumbest name. <laughs> it is so stupid. And I say that, um, and everyone should know. I came up with the name, um, <laughs> and I acknowledge it is so stupid. <laughs> Um, but did, I love it. How did you come up with it? I, I it was nothing. You just, it was just said like, it out of nowhere. Yeah, just like a thing in my brain. I just 
I oh, did it gosh. literally as nonsense. You, you're brainstorming these names and you're creating an Excel. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just like, I was like, oh, I'm going to put a bunch of stupid fake mm-hmm. ideas um, on the spreadsheet. Yeah, that's what you did when we were trying to come up with a name for boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and Robin had like a million names that you suggested. It was like... These are all just funny and ridiculous. Yeah. But I don't know if they're gonna yeah. work for. They, they were so <laughs> stupid. There was I was looking back through them. They're so dumb. Um, I feel it, like as I, did I was at looking like at the sheet, train, it was still getting updated. As I was just like, we're just supposed to be reading this now. Yeah, I was on the train coming into the city at five a.m. when I just started blasting <laughs> these name ideas on our group thread. Oh gosh! And then Robin woke up like a couple hours later and then joined <laughs> in the insanity. Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, we have um, a Christmas party that girlfriend of the show and I are getting ready for. Oh, my God. And, and I um, get to stay. What's that? I get to stay. Yeah, you get to stay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> but So we've gotten to the end of this episode. This um, is it? This is the end. It's time to create something together. Oh, and shit. I already know what we should try to do. Okay. It's a finance thing. Oh, wow. Like a lot of comedians. Yeah. They need some tips. Some money tips, how to like manage money, maybe mm-hmm. how to invest money, whichever approach you want to take, because this is free, <laughs> that this information you're giving. Wow. You're not, you're not getting paid for this, so don't feel like you have to I am like, getting paid. Jason's going to pay me money. <laughs> just because I'm handing you money under the table <laughs> He's right now. He's paying me money right now. Uh, doesn't mean you're getting paid for this. No, but what is something uh, within that world that we can uh, leave the audience with right now? Um, okay, so that's a good, great question. It's a, also it's a hard question, mm-hmm. um, despite being very simple. Because, <laughs> so I mean, there's there's so many um, complexities mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. finance out there, regardless of um, wherever you are. And I think there's a lot of challenges, especially with young people and also people in the arts, right. that are kind of unique. Right. Yeah. Um, don't get money a lot. You know, like when you get paid is strung out. A little bit, um, yeah, in, in the arts, yeah, exactly. And so it, that that. Well, what if I give you a specific scenario? Um, sure, um, but I will say this too mm-hmm. before I'll, I'll take through your scenario. But I'll say um, one piece of advice I would say is you're gonna people see a lot. I see them like on Twitter these kind of like rules of thumbs and these mm-hmm. articles that get tweeted out where it's like you should have X amount of dollars mm-hmm. and you should pay down this and this by this age. And blah, blah, blah. And it's people trying to be prescriptive to a huge... Something that can't be... A huge audience, it right? It seems very much like that can apply to everyone all the time. It can't. It can't. It would be like, like what, what doctor would prescribe yeah. medication to 300 <laughs> million people? This. Like, right. hey, by 35, you should be taking Lipitor. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know, I don't know what Lipitor is for. Yeah. I, I, I've seen the commercial. Right. I think it's, um, but that's a very, drug. very good point because everyone is coming from a different place and that means their life situation is very different. Totally. And... You know, what someone can do by 30 is maybe not what someone else can do until they're 40. Absolutely. And that's just their life. And and I think putting it out there is like, you should do this by 30. That could easily make someone who hasn't been able to do that yet feel terrible. Yeah, I would say... So I would say... And like it's not for them ever to do. Yes. And I think that's... That's what concerns me um, about the, I get, I think, because my, my company, the company I work for, will post like articles about that too. And I think 
they mean well that mm-hmm. they're trying to educate a huge audience, but it could also be interpreted where it feels so insurmountable, right? That people are like, why do I bother? I'm never going to be exactly. there, and some people never will. And some people, you're right. I mean, there are some people who, not too long out of college, will have like a six figure job. Yeah. Right? So you're talking like somebody's mid-20s and they have a six-figure job. And then they're going to tell people how they should be and where they should be at 30. It's like, well, that's not most people. Yeah. Um, So it's not fair for them to like put that out there. It's like, this is what you should be doing. So here's the scenario. And I I think we'll relate for people in the arts who who, uh, maybe come up in some way. Um, because I've heard this story a lot where somebody like was dead broke and then they got on This Is Us or they they got some big gig and now they're doing well. What that means is they didn't have a lot of money, so it, they were living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And those paychecks were so strung out, uh, so so far apart from each other. So they were scraping by and then they started making a really good salary, yeah, really good money. So what advice would you give those people a person in that kind of scenario on managing their money or investing money or like like how to handle that. Sure. Um, so if, if somebody goes through a big change like that mm-hmm. and they have no background, then I would say step one is to find a financial advisor, mm-hmm. right? And even if, I'll say this too, um, the, the thresholds for people having access to advice thankfully are coming down and it's becoming more accessible to everybody mm-hmm. um, so it's a need so I would say that's true of even if you aren't in that uh, fortuitous of a position um, it's still something where if it's on your mind questions there's resources that you can look at to look into um, but you should look for a financial advisor right and you should look for somebody who you can shop around there's lots of great places you can work with um, people who are really trying to understand I think your situation and what's important to you mm-hmm. um, and they can help build out a, a you know a plan that makes the most sense in terms of how much of my money should I be saving? Mm-hmm. How much should I be saving towards different goals, whether it's retirement or maybe a house or paying off your student loans or whatever the case may be and how you should be investing it. Um, so that's why that's what I would do is first just speak to a financial advisor so you can actually divide it based on your situation. Mm-hmm. I think for, for most people, if you – one kind of immediate thing that I'd safely say is probably true of um, – most people where if you're working in the arts and maybe you're working kind of paycheck to paycheck and Mm -hmm. kind of getting by and all of a sudden you get this influx of money Mm -hmm. um, is, you know, the first thing I do is make sure no matter what, before you invest a dollar Mm -hmm. or put a dollar in a retirement account um, in that type of situation is say, hey, make sure you at least have an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And an emergency fund, I mean, money set aside, that's cash, so whether it's a high yield savings account mm-hmm. or in what we call money market in a brokerage account where it's mm-hmm. getting a little more interest, but it's there. You don't have to be aggressive or invest it. You want it to basically be cash. And the general rule of thumb you'll you'll hear for most people is like three to six months of expenses. If you're working in the arts, for me personally, I'm I would say try to get yourself on that six to twelve month range mm-hmm. if you get you know, it's a lot of money, but in this scenario, right. it's like a situation where you might be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. Where if you're saying, "Hey, I need 
whatever, $2,000, dollars $10,000 a month to mm-hmm. live my lifestyle, whatever it is for you, have that much in cash for six months to a year. Um, so that, again, with the arts in particular, it can be a fickle business and all of a sudden yeah, go mean, from nothing to a lot to, a lot to, to nothing, nothing again. again. That happens so much. And you got to be prepared. You have to. I mean... Yeah. You know, I mentioned This Is Us because um, one of the actors on there literally had that story of they had yeah. like 13 bucks in their bank account or something abysmal like that. Yeah. Something that like a lot of people live yeah. in and got the call that she got cast. Yeah. Uh, and her life changed. But not everyone gets a second season. A lot of those yeah. shows get canceled. So mm-hmm. she could have gone back to that. Yeah. And a lot of people that's happened to them. And you got to be careful with your money. I mean, there are famous stories like Tony Braxton, the singer, had a crazy amount of money. It was like well over $100,000. And she blew it all. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's the story I remember from the 90s. So yeah. if, if uh, I'm wrong about some of those details, then I apologize. But, <laughs> like, yeah. basically, sure. there's so many people in that industry who... And those are people who kept working, <laughs> who yeah. blew all their money. But there are people who... They, they got a big chunk of change because mm-hmm. they got 10 to 20 shows or an album out that did real well and then they went on tour. But then the next album didn't do well. So yep. they got dropped by the label and it's like, what do you do then? You can't spend all that money immediately. You, you Like you're saying, having an emergency fund is so crucial. And um, I would also suggest that people not change the life they're living too much not change your lifestyle too much definitely yeah i mean that's a very real thing it's easier said than done right uh, lifestyle inflation is very very real that's why um that's why you know the other thing too is um i would say as a as a general rule of advice is try to automate your savings mm-hmm. where you can right mm-hmm. so this is um, I think it, I believe it was Warren Buffett who says pay yourself first right mm-hmm. pretty pretty famous phrase um, and what he means by that is before you think about hey if if, if you're going to save something in an emergency fund maybe you're putting something in an IRA a, reti- a retirement account you want to try to automate it so those things automatically sweep every month if you're getting income into those different areas because I think people are very adaptable Mm-hmm. And they're very good at adapting to what they have and mm-hmm. kind of making do. And so if it's not a lot, uh, you know, you adapt and you make changes a lot a lot of times um, to, to make do with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same is true where when you have plenty um, and you have more than you're used to, it's very easy for, hey, I'm used to spending every dollar right. in my checking account. Right. That's a feeling I'm used to because it because was, that was struggling. What they only made enough to mm-hmm. spend everything. They didn't have yeah. an opportunity to save. So those are, I think, areas where I think it's easier to fall um, prey to that yeah. um, type of lifestyle inflation. So once you build a plan, you ideally want to set it up to automate. X amount of dollars goes into this savings account. X amount of dollars goes into this investment account. Mm-hmm. X amount of dollars goes aside for this. And then this is what I have left over. This is what I can you know, live, off, live of. off of. Smart. Yeah. There it is. Thanks for being on the podcast, Andy. Thank you for having me. 
really great having him on despite the fact that he is a liar. He did not get best looking. That was not a superlative he got. He was lying when he said it. But let's be honest, he should have gotten it because he is a snack. <laughs> um, okay, I'm violating some sort of policy, so let me just move on here and say I hope you follow his financial advice because it was really, really solid advice. I also hope you follow him on Instagram at Andy 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 Roberts. You can also follow his team at Butter 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 Improv. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at There It Is Pod. And don't forget to subscribe to our free weekly comedy lifestyle newsletter. Links in bio for all of this. We have some really great guests coming up. I hope you check those out. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 